Glory to God. Good to see you all here on this Resurrection Sunday. It is a good day to be alive. Amen. This is the day we celebrate when our Lord and Savior, of course, was crucified, dead, buried, and rose on that Sunday. Glory to God. Well, there was a story about an atheist who traveled around different colleges giving lectures, universities, challenging the very concept of God. And every time he would go, he would give them this one challenge. He would say, if there is a God, let him strike me dead within the next five minutes. And of course, the audience would all look in anticipation for the next five minutes to see what would happen. And the five minutes would come and he would still be alive. At the end of the lecture, there was a person who was conducting some interviews and they pulled one of the students out and they said, what did you think of the, the, uh, the lecturer's challenge? What did you think that God didn't rise to meet that challenge? And he says, well, I think that God doesn't take orders from atheists. <laughs> yeah, it's all in how you look at something, huh? God does not take orders from atheists. God gives orders. He does not, doesn't take them from anyone. But he's given us his word, and he's given us some promises in his word. We're going to look at some things in relation to the Resurrection Sunday service, but we're still going to be in our same series we've been looking at. Last couple of weeks, we looked at the topic of what do you do when God is silent? What do you do when God doesn't seem to be speaking to you anymore or hasn't spoken to you in a while? And so we spent a couple of days on, a couple of Sundays on this. If you missed that, you can go up on our website. You can download them, podcast them, listen to them for free. It won't cost you anything at all. Just going up there and get them. We make them available for you. And you can catch up on some of the things that are going on. If you missed any of the outlines, they're up there on the uh, website as well. All filled in for you. Just keep that in mind. If you ever, if you ever miss something on the Sunday, they're all filled in up on the, 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 uh, on the website if you pull them down from there. But over Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, we're going to begin reading over there. We're looking at today that Jesus, on his way to the cross, he overcame many distractions. How many, have you, have, how many of you have had distractions? Whatever it is that you're going to do, you know you come up with some distractions, some things that keep you... I mean, moms especially. Moms aren't distractions of way of life. Because when the children come in, don't they usually come in for mom? You know, and moms are always being pulled out of what their daily routine to handle the things that are, that are going on there. We're used to handling distractions, but distractions, sometimes you get done a day and you, you handled so many distractions, you feel like you didn't get any work done. You didn't get anything productive done. Hey, but at work, people always coming in and distracting you from what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, you're taking care of work issues, but it just seems like you didn't get anything done. Sometimes we have things that come in and distract us. In our calling for God, and it keeps us from getting feeling like we're getting anything done at all. Put this in your outline for you. When it seems like you are not hearing from God, many other voices rise to pull you from your purpose and calling. There's the problem that comes in, folks. If we don't know how to handle when we don't seem to be hearing from God, we will gravitate to the first voice that we hear. That gives us instructions. And we will oftentimes get pulled off and go into a wrong direction. We've got to be careful about this. 
Now understand, God does not, we do not have wilderness experiences. I know books have been written on this thing. There is no such thing as a wilderness experience for a Christian. I don't care who told you there was. I don't care how much it impacted their life. There is no such thing as a wilderness experience for a Christian. I hope I can say that strongly enough. It doesn't happen. People want to, want to go over to the wilderness with Israel. Israel was wandering in the wilderness. How often did God, did God speak to the children in the wilderness? Pretty often, wasn't it? He would come down and meet Moses face to face, and Moses would come out from the presence of God, and he would glow. When was the last time that happened with you? How would you like to have a wilderness experience like that? God showed up daily as a pillar of cloud to give them shade. God showed up every night with a pillar of fire to keep them warm. God showed up every day and gave them manna for them to eat. God showed up and brought water out of rocks, defeated enemies, broke up Red Seas. Does that sound like God was silent? The Word of God says that their sandals didn't wear out. No one was feeble among them. How would you, how would you like to have a wilderness experience like that? Glory to God. <laughs> Bring it on. This is all right. There is never a time when God desires to not talk with you. Never. Now, you yourself as a parent. Most of us here have been parents, are parents, or can at least think of ourselves in a parent situation. Is there ever a time you don't want to talk to your kids? God does not go through this. But when we have these things come up and we begin to think, well, God's just not talking to me right now, then all sorts of other things can come in. It's a tactic of the enemy. It's unfortunately taught by many Christians. And it's 100% wrong. It's 100% wrong. Most of the time we're not hearing from God is because we didn't do anything with the last thing he told us. It's most of the time we don't hear from God. God says, why should I tell you any more? You're not doing that. And we looked at examples in the Word of God where God spoke to people the same thing, nothing different, because they weren't listening to what he said. Paul was one of our examples. Moses was one of our examples. They didn't hear anything. Moses didn't hear anything different for 40 years. He's at the burning bush. He's still hearing the same message. He hasn't responded. Paul's still hearing the same message on the road to Damascus that he heard for years prior to this. When they finally responded, God gave him a new message. If you're not hearing anything new from God... Think back. Have you done anything with what he said before? Or have you let that go? Verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further. And fell on his face, prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and, and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. 
here's the things that, that we need to be focused on. I'm giving you four things in here that we need to be focused on out of this, this story to help us with distractions. If you want to avoid distractions in your life, if you want to get to a place where distractions do not pull you out from what you're supposed to do, the first thing that you need to do is to continue in prayer. Jesus knew they were going to be going through quite an ordeal. And he's, he pulled his disciples aside. And he said, we're all going to go out to pray. But then he pulled three in particular. And he says, you guys come and you pray with me. And when he comes back to when he finds them asleep, he says, what? You couldn't pray for an hour? Watch and pray, lest you what? You're going to fall into temptation. Temptation is just another word for a distraction. It's pulling you away from the plan of God. It's pulling you away from the purpose of God. Don't do it. Don't fall that way. Here's, here's how Jesus is teaching his disciples to avoid it. Pray. Have that time of prayer. That's not all. If all you do is pray, you will fail. And that's not in this story. We're going to see he's going to give them four different things to do. The first one is pray. You got to make sure that you do that. Spend some time praying. I love what Brother, uh, Brother Keith used to uh, teach. Uh, he's come out with this. Uh, I know I've shared this with you before, but I remind myself of it all the time. Is God unreasonable? No, he's not, is he? I mean, it, do we serve an unreasonable God? No. But a lot of Christians are taught and begin to think, I'll ask you these questions this way. Can you give enough? Can you pray enough? Can you read the word enough? But see, this is what happens. If you don't know the answer to that, the devil comes into your life and he says, you didn't, you're not reading the word enough. Is there enough word to read? Yeah. There's a time, folks. You have read enough word. You've read enough word for today. Is God unreasonable? No. Is he expecting you to read the word 24 hours a day? No. Well, then somewhere along the point, it's, it's going to be enough. Somewhere along the point, it's going to be enough prayer. Somewhere along the point, there's going to be enough giving. You can give enough. You can pray enough. You can read the word enough. You can. When it, when's enough? When God says, that's it. That's it. That's all you got to do. But you see, you have, to, you have to be tuned into God. Listen to what God is saying. The enemy wants to pull you into even good things to keep you from being developed right. I don't know if I shared this story with you a while. You all know my, my greatest passion of things of the earth, anyway, is running. I don't know. You may not all know this. I went out for the track team in, in uh, junior high school. Hated it. Despised it. Thought this is the worst thing in the world. And uh, that was it. I didn't, didn't do it anymore. It wasn't until I was in high school that I caught the idea of, of running. And I liked to run. But all I caught hold of was running far. That was it. That's all I knew was to run far. And we were in gym class in my senior year. And we had, uh, we had our series on running. How many of y'all ran as a gym class in, in high school? I think we all did that, right? Some people liked it, some people didn't. Well, I was running a pretty good amount. Pretty good amount. At that time when I was running there, I could go anywhere within a 10-mile radius and get back. It was my, it was my car. I didn't, I didn't have a car. It was my car to get around. I could get anywhere within 10 miles and get back. No big deal. So the coach had us do something in running. And I didn't understand what he was having us do, 
and I completely lost the purpose of what he had us do. The problem was that the coach was on vacation. He was out. Something was going on, and we didn't see him in our class, so we had a substitute. And all they did was they came and they communicated the will of the coach. He was a track coach. They just communicated the will of the coach. They couldn't communicate the purpose. They just communicated the will. And so here's what they came in and they said to do. We're going to have you run around the track one time and then walk. And then run around the track another time and then walk. And then run around the track another time and then walk. I scoffed at that. One time around the track, that's a quarter mile. It's a piece of cake. I can run around this track once. I can run around this track twice. I'll run around this track the whole time everybody else is walking. I'll just keep on running. I'll run the whole class time. And I did. I ran the whole class time. And did it the next time. And did it the next time. And did it the next time. And, you know, just from running, you get fast. And I was faster than most. There was one guy who beat me when we did the mile. One guy in the class who beat me in the mile. I came in second. I was, I was the geek in the class. I was the nerd and um, came in second. So I felt pretty good about that. I still had no idea what coach was trying to get us to do because coach never was able to communicate his purpose to us. It wasn't until I got into college. And I got into college and, you know, we were running around and we were doing some things and the coach came on down and he says, all right, here's what we're doing. We're doing 20 quarters today. Anybody know what intervals are? Intervals is a short distance that you run at a higher rate of speed with a period of rest in between. The intervals is the, what you do in the interval between each one. 20 quarter mile runs at what they called 80% speed. We did about three miles warm up. We did about three miles warm down. And we would do all, all that. And, but then finally the idea was communicated to me. Oh, we're supposed to run that shorter distance faster. And then I realized I completely lost what coach was trying to get me to do. Totally missed it. Totally lost it. Wasted all that time just running around. I was distracted. I was pulled from the purpose. I didn't understand the purpose of what it did. What Jesus is telling them here is prayer has a purpose to build you up, to keep you from entering into temptation. How's it going to do that? Prayer is going to do it this way. It's going to renew you on the purpose that God has for you. This is what Jesus is doing in prayer. He is being renewed on the purpose that God has for him so that when he gets out there, he is able to do that. Interval training is the best training to do to get you in shape quick. But it has no lasting value. You'll get out of shape just as fast as you got in shape. It will develop your speed because you run it at your race pace. I didn't know that. Never developed that. Never even knew about speed training until the next year. Lost, lost out on all that training. Don't miss out on what God is trying to tell you. In here, prayer has a purpose. If all you do in prayer is ask God for things, you won't find it. Jesus is not asking God for anything. He is renewing himself on the purpose that God has for him. How many of y'all know Jesus knows why he came? How many times has he taught the disciples? The Son of Man is going to be arrested, persecuted, beaten, killed, buried, and raised on the third day. How many times did he tell them that? Did Jesus have, was he unclear of his purpose? But here he is in the garden. Father, if be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. 
Now, we got a lot of churches that go around and teach, you know, tack this onto your prayers. Don't ever tack that onto your prayer unless you're praying a prayer like Jesus is praying. Father, heal me, but not my will, but your will be done. Folks, that's an ignorant prayer. You don't know what the Word of God says. The Word of God tells you what His will is. If you have Scripture on what the will of God is and you tack that on the end, you have disregarded your prayer and you have slapped God in the face. Don't do it. Don't just be throwing that. You be real careful with how you throw that on the end of a prayer. Be real, real careful. Because when you go into prayer, it's your number one job to know what the will of God is. Before you could pray about anything, you should know what the will of God is. If you ever go into prayer, well, God, I don't know what your will is in this. Stop. Open up your Bible. Get a hold of somebody who knows the Bible better than you do. Whatever you need to do, find out what his will is on that thing before you start praying. Because a lot of people are making some ridiculous prayers. We don't need to be doing that. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, just fill me with your joy. I'm just feeling so joyless right now. Just fill me with your joy, please. Ignorant soul. Is that what the Word of God tells you to do? No, go into the Word and find out what the Word of God tells you to do. You'll find out you don't need to pray about that. Get into the Word. Find out what the Word says. So he's coming into the Word. Father, I know where, I know what I'm sent here to do. But this is really hard. Man, it's wearing on me. If there's any other way we can accomplish what we want to accomplish, let's go ahead and do it. If not, I'll go ahead and do this. He's renewing himself on the purpose because he knew how hard this was going to be. That's the thing you've got to do in prayer is come to God and renew yourself on the purpose. Has God spoken to you things about what you are to do? What kind of ministry you have? Maybe some of you, we have a lot of people here in ministries and music. Glory to God. It's good. Stay renewed on that purpose. You have a purpose on sharing the gospel. I mean, we all have that purpose, but sometimes some people feel that a part of their life even more than others. Renew yourself on that purpose. Go before God. You, you, you follow on that purpose, you're going to have some persecution. Some people are going to come against you. Whatever it is that God has put you on this earth to do, the enemy will stir up people to come against you to stop you from doing it. So keep being renewed on the purpose. Father God, I'm doing what you told me to do. It's getting tough. But this is what you called me to do. This is what you put me here for. You renew yourself on that purpose. It's easier to not be distracted. So prayer will get you ready, but there is more that is needed. In Matthew 26, verse 39, he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Here's the second one. Stay focused. Stay focused. Focus on what you are supposed to do. When you drive a car, is your focus in the back seat? If you were the driver. Is your focus on the radio? Is your focus on the floor? Where's your focus when you drive? Ahead of you. You get a distraction, you know, something may come by, but you, you pull your focus right back on over here. This is where your focus is. How many of you have ever driven with people in a car next to you and you're watching them and you're saying, they're not focused. They're not focused on the task at hand. You know, I don't mind people talking on their cell phones when they drive, but don't be holding on to it. I don't like that. That's because to me, you're driving one-handed. If something happens, 
you need two hands to, to, to do that. I don't, you can have a conversation with the person in the passenger seat and still drive, right? Well, you can have a conversation with the person on the phone too. But get the thing out of your hand. Enough Bluetooth stuff going on over there. You know, get one of those things. If uh, you have that, I'm blessed to have one built into the truck. Glory to God. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Never will buy another car vehicle without Bluetooth built in. Ever. There is just something about not being able to forget it. It's there. I never have to connect the phone. It does it for me. Automatically. All by itself. It just does it. I can even have my phone, when it connects into there, turn music on, connect into stuff, play things. You can do all that by itself, but that's my phone. Probably not yours. I don't know if you iPhone users can do all that sort of stuff, but I know the, the one I have will, will do that. But um, I'll tell you what, they're, they're fun. I can have the Maps thing pop up if I want to when I get in the car. It's just, oh, man, I'll tell you what, it's, it's good. But your, your focus is where? It's on the road. Right now, your focus is not only on the road with the cars are had. How many of you have a bit of a focus on the conditions of the road? You're, you're, what are you focusing on? Potholes. This is pothole season. We don't want to be coming upon those things all of a sudden. We want to, <laughs> because they, they do come up on us. They do come up. How many of y'all know, you know, last week I put up on Facebook, I warned y'all about a pothole. It wasn't there before, but it was there this time. And uh, I came by, it was nighttime, but it was, it was there. I'm in a truck. It's got to be a bigger pothole to take me down than it will be to take some cars down. All right, but you got a car with those little tiny tires. It'll take you out real easy. So, you know, we find those things. We'll put them up there for you, but... You got to be focused on this stuff because they just all of a sudden, bam, there they are. And they can do some damage. That noise, just that noise by itself. How many, oh, that's just, oh, it's a bad noise. But stay focused. Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The enemy wants to get your focus off. Look at it this way. How many of you joined the 100-day challenge my daughter put up on our page? All right, the rest of you need to. There's something in there you need to get going. You just get up there, go on Facebook. She gave you every, she gave everybody that's on the church Facebook page, it's on my Facebook page, it's on her. She gave them all an invitation. You all got an invitation. Hundred days, get yourself developed a habit, whatever it might be. So let's say that you pick eating right. I'm going to eat healthier. That's a good thing to focus on. But aren't there things out there to pull you from that? When you're walking on down the grocery aisle and you pass the Twinkies. And the tasty cake, cakes and pies. And the Oreo cookies. Surely Oreo cookies are on God's list, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're good. They're good. Oh, I tell you, don't, they, don't they begin to just, well, maybe just, just one. Just one. The bag of Doritos. Whatever it might be. Or just driving on down the road and up pops a Dairy Queen. Surely ice cream is good for you. Of course, once you put all that syrup and all those candy pieces and the whipped cream and all the sprinkles up on top, it may not be as good for you as you might be thinking. But these are distractions. They're trying to pull you off. You're trying to say, I'm going to have so many calories per day. I want to have, how many have ever been on a calorie count? I'm going to be on so many calories per day. I've never done that. We had a, we had a high calorie count. We had to hit something, but we never counted. We just ate. Just eat. Hopefully, we're getting close. That's all we try to do. 
But, um, you know, if you have a calorie count, if you have a 1,500, 1,800, I don't know what kind of calorie counts they have anymore. I don't, I don't know. Do they grow with inflation? I, I, maybe they, you know, maybe what was 1,200 calories, maybe now it can be 18 and you're still in, I, I don't know how that is. But anyway, you have a calorie count and you're, you're right where you need to be. And all of a sudden, a hunger pain comes on for pizza. Now, pizza's a good food, but I, I do understand it's high in calories. And it begins to pull you off and get you distracted and get you... Well, it's just one day, right? It's just one day. Surely you can splurge one day. Of course, this is your first day. (laughs) But surely one day won't hurt you. (laughs) One day will be all right. Just ah, whatever whatever it might be. You could have in your 100-day thing, I'm going to think positively. I've been plagued with negative thought. I'm going to think positively. And the first day, you have the opportunity to think about something negatively. Is that a distraction? It's something trying to pull you in, pull you down into a wrong direction. Don't give in. You've got to stay strong. You've got to hold on to it. Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Stay focused. Stay focused. Now, Jesus, look at the things he could have done. When he was going through, after he leaves the garden, here's what he could do. He's got enough power. His voice comes out. I am he. They all fall down. He could leave. He could just walk away. They're not going to get him. He could say it again. I am he. All fall down again. He said, I can call for a legion of angels right now, and they'll come down. It's God's will that he go to the cross but God will send a legion of angels if his son called for it. He better be focused. He could do that. There's so many things that he could do to get off of the purpose, but he stayed there with it. How many of y'all know when he's being beaten, there's some distractions? Oh, man, this is bad. Oh, man, this is... One of the pictures they had up on the, on the video screen, I mean, that really showed a marked up Christ. Wow. And it says he was more marked than any other man. I don't know if we can imagine what it would be. Some of those uh, scenes, they've been pretty bloody. Some of the ones they've done recently, they have been some pretty bloody crucifixions. And I'm sure they are as close to the truth as we've ever seen. Can you imagine a person being beaten so bad that you don't even recognize them as a man? I, I don't know how that, how that goes, but stay focused. Continue in prayer. Stay focused. Here's the third one. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Verse 46. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Here's the third one. Remain active. Remain active. Sometimes we can get so caught up, well, I need to pray, I need to study, that we're not actively doing anything. You need to be active. He says, rise, let us be going. We've prayed. It's now time to get going. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at at hand. There's a time for praying. There's a time for getting up and moving. And you need to do it. Don't hide behind the excuses like, I'm not ready. Folks, you will never feel like you are ready. 
You will never feel like you are ready. But you're ready. Going out there. Get going. Don't be saying, well, I can't do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? You've got to stop hiding behind these excuses. There's times you just need to get up and get going. You've been called to a purpose. Stay focused on that purpose. Stay in that direction. Don't let these things pull you off. Stay active. What are you doing to activate your calling? What are you doing for it? Don't blame other people. Well, so-and-so doesn't. No, it's not anyone else's fault. You are responsible for activating your calling. God has given you something to do. Do it. If you're going to hide behind the excuse, well, they won't let me. That's not, that's not going to work. Don't hide behind these excuses. Get going. Here's the next one. John, we're going to go over to John chapter 18 for this one. When Jesus had spoken these words, rise, let us be going. He went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron there, where there was a garden. Well, I'm sorry, we're, we're jumping ahead there. This is going over to the garden. Which he, had, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to, him, to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the same might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom you gave me. I have lost none. Here's the next one. Speak what you know. This is a real important one. You need to speak what you know. What did Jesus know? Well, they came here looking for said, Whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. What does he know? That's me. Right? He knows that, right? I am he. And they all fell down. Those words, I am he, released such power they couldn't stand. Now, how many of you are, are friends with Rick Rennersite? Anybody friends with Rick Rennersite? All right, I, I saw he posted the video. I've already heard him teach on this. I didn't watch it, but if, did you see? And anybody see the video he posted about who was the naked man in the garden? I've taught you this before. That's where I got it from. I never knew this until he he taught it. Uh, wonderful little teaching. You all remember the story? The guy who was uh, who ran naked out of the garden. He was clothed in a in a in a robe, and they uh, reached out to grab him, and they grabbed the cloak, and he left the cloak behind, and he ran away naked. Some people thought that was uh, Mark. That was Mark who wrote the gospel. Uh, no, it wasn't Mark. Because when you, come to the to- when you come to the place like that, that's not how you're dressed. The way they described, and Rick Renner gets into this wonderfully. He loves the, the Greek words and the particular type of word this is used for this type of clothing. The type of clothing that is used for that is a cloth they put over someone who was dead. And they put this type of cloth on them. What does a dead person wear underneath that cloth? Nothing. Nothing. What happened was that there was a burial in the cemetery. And this young man 
who had died was still not buried. And when the power came out and he said, I am he, it knocked all those folks down and it raised him up to life. And he shed off a cloak that was put on dead people. And when he comes on out, he's looking around and he's seeing all this activity going. He doesn't know what's happening. He was just dead a little while ago. <laughs> and he grabbed someone grits all and grabbed hold of his cloak and he just left it and ran off naked because that's how they were going to bury him. It's a neat teaching. If you didn't see it, go up there and Rick Renner's site. I, I share a lot of his stuff. I, like I said, I didn't see it. I know how he teaches this before. I love listening to him teach it. It's just wonderful to hear all that. But um, you'll enjoy that if you didn't see that before. How many ever knew that about the naked guy? Yeah, the naked guy. That's why, why do you think the infants, why are we talking about somebody naked running out in the garden? Are we talking about somebody running scared? You think that was important enough to put into the word that you would be preserved for all this time that somebody was scared and ran naked out of the garden? No. What was important to know was the wording that is in the Greek will tell you this man had been dead, was clothed in dead people's attire, and shed them when they were grabbed. It's cool. I'll tell you what. That's the power that comes out. Jesus had that kind of power that would knock people over who were trying to get him and raise up dead people. Remember he said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. That's because that's the kind of power he's got. Man, that's, something. that's why that story is in your Bible. It's there to teach you something. They don't, God doesn't just throw stuff in there. It's important yeah. stuff. But here's what we need to do. We need to speak what we know. Most times when we get discouraged, we follow after distractions. We are not speaking what we know. We are speaking things like what I feel. What I wish. Things like this. I put this in your outline. Our words often get us into trouble. When we first off ask questions born of doubt. We ask questions born of doubt. What are questions born of doubt? Why did this happen to me? How come all the bad stuff always happens to me? That's a question of doubt. God, don't you care about me? That's a question of doubt. You should not, that should be a curse word to you. You should not let them come out of your mouth. You need to, you need to be careful about that. I was out running the other day, and I was listening to a, uh, a service from Willie George. Now, Willie George, he participates in activities that I do not. So I get to hear some activities of things that I don't do. He is a hunter. He is a hunter. Like He does not go out in the backyard and hunt deer. He gets airlifted, dropped in the mountains, and goes after deer that are bigger than anything you've ever seen. He goes after goats that you have never seen the size of these goats. I mean, he's going after, he's a big game hunter. And he gets airlifted into a lot of these places. It's, he does, I don't have no desire, no desire to be airlifted any place to go hunting. I am perfectly content with buying the meat at the grocery store. <laughs> totally content with that. I have no real reason to change that at all. But that's not what he likes to do. He likes to go out there and to, and to do stuff like that. And Well, his dad was a rodeo guy. He was telling the story of his dad in one of the rodeos. He said uh, his dad used to participate in an activity that is hardly ever seen anymore. It's called the Wild Horse Rodeo. 
And what you had in that was you had three cowboys on a team. And each cowboy was assigned a wild horse. This is not any wild horse. This is a wild horse that could not be tamed by anyone. And they would put these wild horses into the, into the ring. And these three cowboys had to do three things. First off, they had to lasso the horse. Now, you get that lasso around the horse, that horse is stronger than a man. You get one lasso on them, you've got to get more th- you got a little bit of time to get some more help in on there to do that. That's the first thing you've got to do. You've got to lasso the horse. Second thing you've got to do is you've got to put a bit in the guy's mouth. A bit and a bridle have to go on the horse. The third thing is you've got to put a cowboy on the back of that horse, ride around the ring, and hit a certain spot. On a horse that no one has been able to tame. And the first team to do this wins. So it was a very dangerous thing. Very dangerous thing. And uh, a lot of people were hurt. I'm sure some people were more than hurt. But anyway, his dad did it all the time. That's the kind of thing he came out of. And uh, we tell stories you know, based on, on that. Well, anyway, the, the reason that you, you did this, the reason you spent... So much time on that second step is because if you didn't control the horse's mouth, you didn't control the horse. If you got control of that horse's mouth, you had a shot at controlling that horse. Folks, if you can control your mouth, you have a shot at controlling your life. But you've got to control your mouth. Stop asking questions of doubt. Stop asking whining questions. We whine and complain. You know, have you ever been to those? My, my wife's over at the physical therapy spot getting the stuff done for her, her arm. And they have the sign in the window uh, back there where they do all the, all the stuff. No whining. <laughs> no whining. You don't want to hear it. Don't ask questions born of doubt. Don't whine and complain. And here's the third one. Often our words get us into trouble when we declare our faith in disaster. And we do this all the time. We can do this all the time. Get yourself trained to not do it. We declare our faith in disaster. I just know if I go out in this storm, I'm going to have an accident. Right? I just know when this thing comes up, I'll be the one that suffers. I just know when the flu season comes, I'll be the the one getting the flu. I just know. And we make these declarations of disaster. Stop making declarations of disaster. Make declarations that are based on the Word of God. Don't give in to it. Don't ask questions born of doubt. Don't whine and complain. Don't declare our faith in disasters. Declare your faith in the Word of God. These things feed disaster. They they feed problems. They feed you being discouraged. If you wonder why you're discouraged, take a look at some of the things that you say with your mouth. It's no good. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, my, my circle of, of people outside of church are generally runners. I have some people that are, that are around that are I'm, You know what was amazing about runners? I wish Christians could get a hold of what runners have gotten a hold of. Runners are extraordinarily positive people. Extraordinarily positive. Now, you have to be, because if you're going to get excited about a 12-mile run, <laughs> right? you have, if you can get excited about a 12-mile run, you can be positive about anything, right? 
If you can be excited about going out in the rain or going out in the snow or going out in this, you can be positive about anything. But you get around a group of runners. And Tuesday night we have about 50. They all get together at this, this spot and we all... We, there is not a negative conversation among any of them. Ever. Never hear it. You go into some other groups and you hear negative conversations. I never hear them talk anything negative. If they get a bad shoe, there's no negative talk about it. They don't, they don't talk negatively about it. Well, that one, I tried that one. You know, it just didn't work for me. It may work great for you. It just, it wasn't working for me. I went ahead and got this one, and this one's really working. It's always positive. Everything's, it's positive. How'd your week go this way? It was a good week. Yeah, I got to do this. I got to do that. They're just, it's amazing. Christians ought to get a hold of that. Stop being so negative. Stop being so down. Get positive about things. You can do it. Here's a, here's another one I gave you. Don't wonder out loud. Don't wonder out loud. Out loud. Well, I wonder what'll happen if I lose my job. I wonder what'll happen if that check bounced. I wonder what'll happen to my job if Wall Street collapses. Stop wondering out loud. For at least, at least about negative stuff. Begin to wonder maybe about positive things. Man, I wonder how God's going to bring me out of this. I get excited just thinking about it. I wonder how God's going to bring me out of this. You can wonder about positive things, but most of the time we are wondering about negative things. We're wondering about, oh, what happens when that vision doesn't come through? What happens when God doesn't come through for me? What happens when we talk about all this? And we wonder out loud about how our situation can get worse. You wonder why you're discouraged? Don't do that. Wonder positively. Wonder. Don't. And if you're going to wonder, if negative things come in, just don't say them out loud. Don't say them out loud. How many people in the Word of God wondered out loud and got in trouble? If you just stayed quiet about it, you'd be all right. <laughs> the guy we looked at not too long ago in the Old Testament, when the, the prophet Elisha says, this time tomorrow, grain and flour, it's all going to be cheap. You're going to have abundance of it. And the guy said, if the windows of heaven were open, could that happen? Now, other people were thinking that, but he said it out loud. He said, all right, you're going to die before you see it. <laughs> he died. Didn't get to taste any of it. Don't wonder out loud. If those things come to you, suppress them, keep them inside. Don't, don't voice them. Let your voice, let your words be for positive things. Be speaking positively. Do this with your, with, your, with your children. Do this with your job. Say positive things. You know, I, one of the things I get to look forward to every Sunday during worship time is I get to hold my granddaughter because there's no one else qualified. <laughs> okay. Mom and dad are up on stage. My wife has an arm that doesn't let her hold the squirming child. So I, um, I get to be picked. So I get to hold her and you know what we're doing back there? There's a lot of times I'm speaking stuff over to her. I'm speaking things over to her for her future. I begin to wonder out loud about where she's going and what she's going to do. Father God, I thank you that she has a blessed mind. I thank you that she absorbs things quickly. I thank you, Father, she has a love for the things of God. I speak these things to her all through worship. Oh, it's fun. Here's what we should do. Speak words of faith and belief. That what God has spoken is true. 
What has God spoken to you? What has he spoken to you? God has spoken something to you. He's given you a call. He said some things for you to do. What has God spoken to you? Put words to those things. God has said that I will be, you say what it is. God has given me this talent. God has given me this ability. God has given me this ability for a purpose, for a function. And I'm going to use it for his ability. I'm going to use it for his kingdom. You speak these kind of things. What has God spoken to you? Here's the second one. What has God written to you? What, what God has written is true. Speak things, these things. What God has written, folks, is true. What he wrote in his word is true. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Speak like it's going to happen. Don't speak doubt. Don't speak now. Nah, it's not going to be. Here's the third one. What God has promised is true. What God has promised is true. You focus on these three things, speaking these things. What God has spoken is true. What God has written is true. What God has promised is true. Oh, it'll change your life. You're getting that bit in just like James talked about. Control the whole horse with the, with the bit. Certainly don't follow after distractions. Staying on course will keep you in a position to recognize distractions. Jesus kept himself on course. By staying on course, you can realize that's a distraction. That's a distraction. That's something that's not as, as good there. We, we don't want to go that direction. If you stay on course, you can, set, you can spot a distraction. But if you are off the course, it's real hard. It's real hard to spot a distraction because you're off course. You don't know where you're going. You're lost. Now, here's a question for you. What kind of distractions does the enemy throw at us? What kind of distractions does the enemy throw at us? You will find this out, and we're going we're gonna to pick this up next week. The devil does not have new tricks. One of the reasons he doesn't have any new tricks is he doesn't need them. We keep falling for the old ones. And so if you go through the Word of God, and we're going to do this next week, you can f- see his distractions. His distractions are identifiable. They are, you can say, oh, that, that fits, that's a distraction. Can you all tell if something is green? Can you all tell if it's a form of green? Can you all tell if something is a form of blue? Can you tell if it's a form of red? I mean, there is not just one red color, there's lots of shades of red, but we can look at something as, oh, that's a red color. That's a blue color. That's a green color. If you find out what the devil's distractions are, you can immediately know that's not God. Just simply by its color. We're going to look into that next week. We're going to get spend some time on that. I'll tell you what, it's in the Word. It's in the Word, folks. It'll help you out. It helps me out. If you can, if you can identify, you can say, oh, that's what this is. You won't go after it. You will not go after it. You'll, you'll stay away from the thing. But you've got to find out. You've got you to gotta spend some time. Know what the word? He doesn't have new tricks. He doesn't need them. We keep falling for the same old ones. Why come up with something new? Make the devil work a little harder. Got to come up with something new to to pull you in. Would y'all stand up with me? This is our communion Sunday. This is the day, first Sunday of the month. 
we celebrate communion together. We want to do that before we, we go to the places that we are heading to today. Our rushers are coming around with the elements. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he introduced this on the last supper that he had with the disciples. We go over this all the time because it's so important that we remember these things. He says, as often as you do this. He didn't say how often to do it. Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it once a month. Some churches do it every other month. There's no right or wrong. He just said to keep doing it. So we keep doing it. We've picked once a month. That's how we do it. That's not scriptural. That's just what we do. If you've been in a place and they do it every week, that's fine. If you've been in a place and they did it once every six months, that's fine. There's no right or wrong. That's all, all good. But we just want to keep in remembrance of this. Here's what he told us to do. Before he came in, before they had supper, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He did that before supper. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. There was a space in between an entire meal because the bread and the wine are two different things. The body and the blood of Jesus are two different things. Churches all over have tried to merge them. But again, he put an entire meal in between because the, the body represents the things that would come against your body, sickness and disease, the things that would attack your mind, the things that were part of the curse. He took them on his body. The Word of God says he was beaten, he was bruised for your sickness and disease. The blood has nothing to do with sickness and disease and healing. Nothing. It is his body that does. His body has nothing to do with the forgiveness of sins. His blood does. His blood washes us free from sin. His body bore our sicknesses and our diseases. Don't ever merge the two. They are separate. That's why if you go through the Word of God and you read it, you will see. Before supper, he took the bread. After supper, he took the wine. It's very specific. It's, it's very detailed because he wants us to know there's a purpose for each one. Distractions, folks, have come up. And people have been distracted from the Word. How many of you ever heard that there's spiritual healing? That you need to be spiritually healed. That's hogwash. That's garbage to throw that stuff out the window. You are not spiritually healed. You are physically healed and you are spiritually reborn. <laughs> Brand new. Not healed. Reborn. Physically healed. Spiritually reborn. The old man, what did Paul say? The old man is, is dead. I heard somebody just remind everybody about it recently. But you all know that... Um, Paul's father died on the cross next to Jesus. It says it right there in the Word of God. Just go back over there to Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. It says it right there. My old man was crucified with Christ. It says it right there. The old man is dead. It is not healed. The old man is dead. There is no spiritual healing. Don't swallow that stuff. Your physical body never died. It will die. You were declared dead spiritually. 
but your physical body still remained. So your physical body is healed. Your spiritual body, spiritual, your spirit is reborn. The first one of the old Adam, the second one of the new. Glory to God. This is what communion is about. This is what the new covenant is about. And so when we take these parts and we eat the bread, we remember his body, on his body was all our sicknesses and diseases. Yeah, but there's still sick Christians today. Yes, there are. The Word of God says Paul taught it real clearly. This is why many of you die early. This is why many of you are sick and go home early. Because you do not discern the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught that. Paul taught that right in his epistles. You don't discern the Lord's body. Yes, this is done for us. But the same way that the blood forgives us of sins, and if you don't understand it, if you don't apply it, it doesn't affect you. The same thing with the body. If you don't understand what the body did, it doesn't affect you, and you keep on going on, bearing your own sicknesses and your own diseases. You don't need to do that. He bore it for you. Glory to God. So every time we do communion, we remember, on his body, this was put. Not our, We don't have to bear it. Let's eat together. Everybody say, after supper. He took the, bre- the blood. And he said, this represents my blood, which is shed for you. The blood of bulls, the blood of goats, the blood of lambs, all it could do was cover up sin. But his blood took it away. It paid the price. It washed it away. And we are clean. We wear his righteousness because of his blood being shed. Let's drink together and remember that. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. It is good to be born again. It is good not to be spiritually healed, but spiritually reborn. We thank you for the life that we have in Christ. The life we once lived was the life of death. Now we live a life full of light, full of joy, full of peace, full of life. We thank you for it. We give you the praise for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. We got some praise reports? Just prayer request? No praise reports today? That looks like a praise report. All right. Anybody else have a praise report? They can write that up and, and bring that in. Oh, good. Okay, this is a, a praise report from Daryl. He said um, the mechanic told him that his bill would be $1,400 for his car, but when he went to pick it up, the total was only 950 <laughs> Thank God. Had favor. And um, Tony gives God praise for being able to empty out her pack rat and uh, get all the things emptied into her house. Um, and I have a praise report from uh, actually our RTC where my son is at. Um, there was an article that was printed that on March the 26th, there were, I hope I get the numbers correct, but there was eight people who, eight recruits who uh, got baptized there and also about 16 of them that rededicated their lives to the Lord. So I'm very excited about what God's doing amongst the young men and women there. Um, their testimonies were also printed on there, but there was just so many of them um, that they were just feeling that, like, without, they said, you know, I, I had, most of them were saying that pretty much the same thing, that without God's help, I know people were praying, but without my personal prayers, I wouldn't have been able to make it through um, every all the tests and everything that they were doing. So I'm grateful for that. Hmm.